We've gotten a lot of really good feedback on a recent DGU episode where we were very vulnerable. This episode's topic is no different. Being a marketing leader is really hard, like really hard. We all know CMOs suffer the highest turnover of anyone in the C-suite, and no matter what study you're looking at, it feels like the average tenure for marketing leaders gets shorter and shorter every year. On today's episode of DGU, I'll be grilling Jason about everything that comes with being a marketing leader, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The Manjan U is officially in session. Let's do it. So, Jason, meaty topic for kind of a cool day. For people who don't realize our publishing schedule, which is no one but us, we're about three-ish weeks from record date to publish date. Today is Friday, December 2nd. What happened today, Jason? Uh, I don't know. What did <laughs> You texted your mom about it. Oh, our LinkedIn. I saw, I'm just wondering if you're talking about that. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> creators of the year from LinkedIn Partner Marketing Awards. Yeah, it was nice. A nice little recognition for us today. And when I, it was one of those pinch, pinch me moments when I texted you this morning after we finally got the blog post from LinkedIn. I don't know if we've told this story before, but I started peak pandemic at Metadata. I think it was August 17th. And I flew out by you in, uh, I stayed in Sammamish, right? Outside of Seattle? Yeah. Or Redmond. (laughs) And I didn't really know, I hadn't met you before, like ever. I'd talked to you uh, over Zooms or whatever. And long story short, we were working from my hotel room, which is hilarious. And I, to this day, I still remember you saying, I want us to be posting on LinkedIn. And uh, it was cool because like at the time I was like, I don't no, how does this work? What do I do? This is crazy. And then it's important to remember milestones like that along the way. Yeah, it's nice. And like this, this podcast that we have, our event, and just some of the other posting we do, and also in the company, really brought us that recognition. And yeah, it started as, hey, this is something I want to do. And I think it would be fun to do it. And I'd never done it in previous roles. Um, build our personal brand associated with the company, make sure we have another job if something like this doesn't work out which is that's what really what I was thinking about coming to my first startup. Is this going to last? Luckily it has, but also we've had that. We have a little bit of a safety net in case it didn't. <laughs> and I think a very perfect but unplanned transition into this is a lot of what we post on LinkedIn is about learning and growth in our own roles at Metadata. And this is a pretty meaty topic, which is about you specifically and how you've grown as a marketing leader in the close to, it's three years since you've yeah. been here, right? Yeah, yeah, three three and some change. Yep. I'm excited about this, mostly because I've been here for a decent chunk of your ride at Metadata. So I've seen a lot of this stuff firsthand, but we are going to talk through not just like the obvious stuff that marketing leaders do, but really the not so obvious things that oftentimes are the hardest that marketing leaders have to think through and deal with and battle on a daily basis. I'm excited for this. This is a different type of topic. It is extra vulnerable and we'll see how well it lands. Yeah, this one, like, for me to answer some of these questions has to get into a little bit of the things I'm working on personally, too. And yeah, for full on yeah, transparency and some vulnerability. Yeah, I like it. All right, let's start with some softball questions first. And hopefully you can answer this one. If you can't, we might have to end that episode. What is the job of a marketing leader? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. And they get I harder. I can't answer it. Well, shit, huh? Let me see my notes. No. <laughs> Every marketing leader is going to answer this differently. So, of course, this is from my perspective. But for me, a big part of the job is obviously the first part is like translating. The easy part is like translating the company goals and how does that flow down into our department and into the different people on the team and setting the plans and that kind of thing. 
strategy. But really, I think one of the more important jobs is taking care of the team and making sure that the team has a lot of people call it psychological safety. I don't know. It's an interesting term, but I think of it as just like an environment where they can do their best work. And when I think of an environment where they can do their best work, I just hearken back to all my experience and what were the environments where I could do my best work. And then I try and take that example and turn it into what I think, again, what I think the team needs from that perspective. Along with that goes helping the team grow professionally, but also personally. So this is another one where some marketing leaders might differ with me, but the conversation I have when we're hiring people is, hey, I want to make sure you're okay with this, but part of growth and part of professional growth is linked with personal growth. And just know if we're working on something professionally or growth area professionally for you, we may have to dip into, or you may have to dip into some things that are you're working on in your personal life. Cause like a lot of them are very intertwined and I want to make sure people are okay with that. Cause it's a, it's a blended environment. There's no like my work life and then my home life. It's like, we're especially working from home and everything. It's all blended. And the reality is the challenges we have at work are likely are almost always directly linked like to the challenges we have in our personal lives. And so that's part of it. More tactical stuff is ensuring the rest of the organization knows what marketing is doing. The important thing for, I think, for any leader of any department. But with marketing, I think it can be sometimes even more, I think it's more difficult to show sometimes in other departments and sometimes even more important because a lot of times there's questions about the marketing department and are they really driving revenue? Could we do without them? And so I think sometimes it's even more important for the marketing department. But why are they brewing so yeah. much kombucha? Are they doing actual work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are they brewing this week? <laughs> so um, I guess a, a question for you then, just to interrupt for a sec. When you started, it was you for almost a full year alone at Metadata. Because like you started as an advisor and then yeah. in your full role, I think it was what, March of 2020? Yeah. Uh, right yeah. before the yeah. pandemic. And then yeah. I joined in August of 2020. So how has like the answer, your answer to that question, how has that changed over the course of your time being at Metadata? What have you yeah. learned as a marketing leader that maybe changes like how you see what a marketing leader should do? I think that I've always had those, those kinds of thoughts. And like, I've, I've even run like much larger teams and try to keep those same sentiment in those bigger teams. Yeah, and yeah, it's actually it can be harder to ops, do. Ops team of what? Like, 80 people yeah, or some 70, crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. 55, 70 people <laughs> off team alone. Yeah. So I've always felt that way, but you know, about those like roles of a leader. But I think when you've got a larger team, then some of this stuff, you're really only doing it for your first level down. There's some stuff you do, and then they're carrying it down and they're like carrying it down to the next level and down. But here, we're such a small team that there's really no, I don't want to call it hiding because you never want to hide, but there's no mistaking. Like if there's a challenge in the team, it's if you're a team of five, one fifth of your entire team is challenged. You know what I mean? So you're thinking of 20% of my team is challenged. You, when You, you can't hide. Team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how has it progressed? I think I've just probably just become more, more confident in how I've thought about some of these things. And like maybe before some of them, I would have these feelings, but I would prioritize like the performance stuff and the heart, like the more tactical stuff. Cause that's easier to, it's easier to measure. It's sometimes easier to do. 
But, and as we'll talk through in, later on today, um, having the confidence to say, no, this is actually really important. It doesn't matter if we're a startup or not. If we don't focus on the leadership stuff and the team and morale, then a lot of this other stuff isn't going to get done or isn't going to get done well, the tactical stuff. And so I think just being more confident in saying, no, this is an important thing for us to focus on as leaders in the company. And I've even started to shepherd some of that and instill some of that into some of the other teams that we have here, the importance of some of the stuff. Not that the other leaders don't agree with it, but like sometimes you just need to be reminded. But you're at a startup and mm -hmm. you're going so fast. So yeah, probably just more confidence in championing those things. I don't know. What have you seen? Curious. Yeah, I think it was you and I for a year-ish. So it was basically just a two-man band who was just getting work done. And we didn't really have, not that we're not doing work right now, but like you really didn't have to worry about a lot of those things because it was just yeah. you and I, we were constantly working with each other and it was just like, Hey, what are you doing today? I'll do this. You do that. We let's more go. Than like, like than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. So we weren't even talking about career development or no, it was just like, um, Hey, how do we get this work done? This is, yeah. yeah. So I think it was, and it was something that like, for me personally, not to talk about myself, but like for me personally, for the first year or so, you were very clear with me that it was probably just going to be the two of us. So like I did not leave a, a slightly later stage startup for an earlier stage startup to come for a best in class professional development program right. onboarding. And I laugh because you're just like, hey, go work. Like I didn't, that's yeah. not why I came here. Whereas some people like need that sort of thing. And that's not what an early stage startup is for. So I think for me, once we started to hire more people and grow the team, then it was, hey, we're not so much peers anymore, and we've got to start to think about some of those things. And then you don't really have to, and we'll get into this here in a bit, for me, you don't really think of a, those things or many of those things when the times are good, and we've had plenty of those good times, but I think when there are bad times, that's when these things start to bubble up to the surface, and it's like, shit, we haven't really addressed this for a while why is morale low? Oh yeah, it's because of X, Y, Z. So we'll get into that part. So I think it yeah. was natural, truthfully. And as the team grows, like you have to solve different sorts of problems. And I think for you too, you were so in the weeds of everything that like you weren't really thinking about it much either. And that's no yeah. slight to you. It was like you were no, doing no, the hands-on keyboard work. And then once you start to back away, then it's like the things that you used to do at Tableau and Getty and managing other teams. It's like, all right, I spot this. I see that. This is a problem. We need to fix this. I don't know. That's my ramble. Yeah. And I would, and honestly, coming here, I needed, I needed a break from the people management thing because the two roles prior were pretty much just really focused on that. Like the Tableau, when you're managing 70 people, I, do you do work anymore? It's, it didn't feel like I wasn't solving problems. I was solving people problems, which is, hey commendable job for sure. But I just was like, I don't want to do this like this. And then I took a job at another enterprise, but smaller team. And it was still okay, the same thing, but a little bit more. So I was really looking forward to just like diving back into the work and just being responsible for myself. I was like, and I didn't need to be responsible for you because, you know, obviously, you know what you're doing and the whole team like right now, not that I'm like, we're not parenting anybody, but no, no, no. just having that and I just needed it. And you, you remember, I was just like burned out on the management piece. Um, oh, yeah. As any yeah. normal person would be, some people eat that shit up and want to do that at Big Spot, like, either damn, you or me. To them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, kudos to them. We need more of you and good managers, like yeah. good managers. Oh, yeah, people, yeah. But, but yeah, so that was an interesting thing. And it's still, it's 
And you can still detect it in me today too. I tend to shy away sometimes or back away from the people management stuff or, and I got to remind myself or be reminded, which we'll talk about that. No, Jason, that's your role. And that's important. You can't just go around solving technical problems and be like, yes, look at this. Like we're succeeding, <laughs> solving a bunch of technical problems, but the team is all just like low morale. Yeah. All right. That just gave me a good story to bring up later on in the episode once we get to that part. But so we've talked about what you think the job of a marketing leader is. Let's throw another kind of softball at you. Why do you think the role is so difficult? And there's probably a bunch of different ways that you can answer this. Yeah. Well, I think first, like probably almost any leadership role, it can be lonely. You don't have any real peers in your org, right? Because you're leading that org. You have peers in other orgs, but they're dealing with different things. And and then oftentimes your CEO, if that's who you're reporting to, they have very little time and not a lot of time. And also CEOs often aren't, or CMOs, whatever, they often aren't also thinking about these other things like career trajectories. And sometimes you have to bring that up yourself because they're just like, hey, I've got seasoned, experienced people here. They're going to they're gonna tell me what they need. So you're left to fend for yourself a little bit. There's times where... You know, and I really like to be as transparent as possible, like sometimes to a fault with the team. And then there's times where you can't be. And that, that's hard for me, where layoffs, for example, is the perfect example of that. There are times when you have to be a little bit cagey about stuff that's going on because you can't be like, oh, no, we're planning layoffs right now. Yeah, no, you're on the list. Yeah, it's like you can't just I'd love to be able to. And maybe you can, but I, I don't see that. And so there's that. And can I like, can I stop you right there just to, to bring up something? And it, I think it's unique to the way that you manage me and we're very clear about it from the start and it's also a way that that you've managed the team and really built the team you give a disclaimer from the jump that like you like to be extra close on like a personal level with the team and there are amazing things about that and there are bad things about that so like when you just mentioned layoffs that approach makes layoffs that much more difficult so maybe talk about that a little bit and why you like using that approach Yeah, like this goes back to experience I've had. I've only really been a part of one or two, what I would consider high performing teams. And one of them is here. (laughs) It's also one other (laughs) one, pretty much. And my experience- It would have been so bad if you named two other companies, not metadata (laughs) yet. And at at that other place, it was a small agency. I don't know, over 50 people maybe. And it was just like us against the world. It was just like, we were all very transparent with each other. We were working for clients, doing hard work and good work. But it was always, it always felt like oh, I have a place that I can come back to and land if things are just, if I get screamed at by a client or I just mess this up, I'll get this place to land. And we'd always go out and do stuff together. We'd be dinners and travel. And we all knew each other's stuff and our spouses knew each other. And it was like um, the quality of that, the work was really shined bright and just the experience itself was so positive for me. I was like, this, I like this. And I like relationships and we're spending so much time together. Like a lot of us are spending more time with y'all than maybe our spouses and kids sometimes, which is just a truth. And when it's personal relationships involved, then it's like my mind, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, but the relationship is where the work is coming out of and some of the motivation is coming out of the relationship. And so for me, it's if I can build a good relationship with the team and also the team within itself too, with other people, then there's this level of trust where we can get rocky and up and down and things can go haywire and, 
in good or bad, but we have this baseline of a relationship to come back to. And that's the, that's the measuring stick of the work here is like this relationship. And I'm talking around a lot, but the last thing I'll say on this one is when you feel when you're in a strong, close relationship with somebody and they need something from you, you're much more willing to do it than, and you want to, because it's like, you feel like you're helping that person and you're helping that person because they've helped you. And so there's some scratching of backs. And, and so part of my style is I want to be close to people and I want people to be close to each other because then we'll have that trust. But like you said, that's where it starts to get tough is like when layoffs come around, because then you're like, shit, I'm so transparent with these people. We're so close. They know about they know about my intimate secrets at home sometimes. And so then it and then when you start to have to like. Obfuscate some of what's going on, then you start for me anyway, I start to feel like a fraud a little bit or not being genuine, which I'm not. And that's hard. That makes it hard. And then when the layoff actually happens it's hard for the entire team because everyone has created such a close relationship. And now it's, it's grief. Like there's loss involved, just like you would lose a partner or a rela- any other relationship. It's like any other relationship. There's going to be grief. There's going to be sadness. And it happens more when you're close people. Yeah. But, and I ask everybody too, would you prefer it this way or like the other way? And most people say, no, I'll take the highs with these, the lower, low, the higher highs with the lower lows when they happen. And so keep doing it that way. I've never worked for somebody that's taken this approach either. So like it was very unusual for me at first too. And it it took getting used to. And to your point, do the lows suck? And are they worse than if you didn't take that approach? Probably. But does it make the rest of the experience that much better? Probably. So it's you pick your own, not poison, because that's the wrong word, but how do you want to be managed? And like, what is the environment that you want to work in? And what type of environment do you work best in? And this is the most complete self that I feel like I've been at any job that I've had before. And I think a lot of that is because of the environment that you've created. Nice. Awesome. Good. So that works, at least for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there's one last thing that we didn't really touch on here, but it's a perfect segue into the next part of the episode. You mentioned getting feedback can be tough from the CEO, in this case, Gil, the rest of the leadership team. Why do you think that's the case? And then I've got some some harder questions, the non-softballs, when we'll get into <laughs> some of what happened earlier this year. Yeah. So it's harder. It's it's hard for people to give feedback to their boss. And it's just, that's just the way it is. The boss has like this amount of control over your life. Whether It's hard to say it that way, but there is some of It's like, I could decide to lay somebody off or not. That's a lot of, that's too much power. And so it will cause, and I feel the same way with Gil sometimes, but you want to put your best foot forward. And if they're doing something you don't like, oftentimes you'll just deal with it. And you'll just say, you know what? It's just part of the job. I'll just have to, does the good outweigh the bad? And you just live with it. And my, the way I get in trouble is because we have these tight relationships, I feel like people feel comfortable telling me the good and the bad. And... But the reality is, even when you have those close relationships, that also doesn't necessarily happen because there's still that power dynamic that just can't be changed, really. Can't really change it. I can't say, hey, no, you're responsible for if you're, you're going to lay yourself off or not. You just can't. You want to give yourself a raise? But it's just, it's, yes. <laughs> so there's always going to be that power dynamic. And so it does, it just makes people a little bit nervous to give feedback. Mind, I'm thinking I'm hearing it all. And I won't get too far into the next section, but let me that, stop you there for a second because I think yeah. it it relates to the your 
transparency, how personal everything is and whatnot. I think from my experience, and this will lead into the next part, from my experience, it was easier to give feedback to your boss and to others when everything wasn't so like interconnected because mm. it was like, this is work. This is your personal life. And, you know, what you say in this context, you know the person, but you don't really know the person. So you're not as worried, I'll speak for myself, at potentially hurting their feelings and if you say it the wrong way. Whereas Mm -hmm. in this setting, because everything is so intertwined, it's, fuck, I don't want to, like, completely rock Jason by telling him something that he might not be aware of. Like, this is going to eat at him. But I think, again, that's not necessarily a low, but it is one of the things to consider when you're deciding how open and how transparent do you want to be when building a team? Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I always just thought, oh, it'll, the communication will flow freely both ways, if it's good or bad. And, and that was just a a bad assumption. And that's honestly just assumptions in general are something that I struggle with. I do make a lot of assumptions at times. And that was definitely one that, that I had to learn. Yeah. So Getting into the next part around the 360. So I remember the time frame of the 360. I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was April of 2022 yeah, this year. Sometime. Yeah. I think yeah. it was like March, April. And like for everybody that's been listening to all the episodes, like we've been pretty clear with our relationship between each other and with Gil and with any CEO, like there's going to be bumpy parts. And we've had our fair share of bumpy parts. And we've had to navigate through that. But I think this was one of those points where it probably was the bumpiest it had been with him. Is that fair to say? Oh, with Gil? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. was like, yeah, yeah. I'd say out of the three years, it was it was the valley, the low valley. Yeah, it was just, I, I'd, and I was learning too. So full transparency, the way I used to try and manage Gil was there would be certain things I would just try to avoid talking about. Because <laughs> they either were, because I knew they weren't going, or I knew like, he's going to want to know about him and we haven't done anything about it. And I just try to avoid, oh, and maybe he'll forget at some point. Guess what? <laughs> he no, never forgets. Never. <laughs> <laughs> never. And so, it, but it took several of me, several times of me doing that, but this was in the heart of it. And there were like a couple of different things that had happened where he was really hot on something and I was like putting it on the side. And so he was, I think he was questioning trust a little bit in me and was I the right person? And then, I really internalized it and I wasn't super confident at that point. And yeah, so I got a coach. I was like, okay, I'm going to try and tackle this. I got a coach. I started really addressing a lot of the more of the work stuff with my counselor, even I was like doing with personal stuff. Um, and one of the tools that the coach gave me was a 360 and I've done them before, but I hadn't done one here. And so, yeah, so it was like, yeah, let's do that. Cause the 360 just hopefully everybody knows, but in case you don't, it's just basically getting feedback on a person from 360 degrees, which basically means different departments, different levels. So you're trying to get a good, not just their team, but their peers, the CEO, people they work with. Um, and I remember going into it. And again, the assumption I was making in my mind was, oh no, I got such a good, re- and I got such a good relationship with the team. Like I even almost said, don't survey the team. I think I probably said, yeah, don't even send one to Mark because we're good. And that was, thank God we did send them out because literally in my mind, and it was probably because we, we still had a good relationship, but, well, and, and, I, and there were, 
we do have a good relationship. Well, yeah, we do. We did back then too. Like we yes, always had. Yes, yeah. yes. So yeah. people know it wasn't like this dire situation like with you and I. But I'll let no, you, and no, then no. I'll bring a, a another follow up comment because I think it's relevant. So keep going. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Shit, was I talking about just the getting into the 360, right? Oh, yeah, yep. I wasn't going to. Yeah, just don't, yeah, don't even, don't even send it to Mark. But we did. We sent it to you and two other people on the team and then Gil and a bunch of other people, my peers. And, and yeah, the feedback was harsh for me. And I wasn't ready for it, which was interesting. And I remember the first time I got to read it and I was just, I was gutted. I was just like, oh, because I... Things were going well, but I was, because of who I was at the time, even, and yeah, it's only been six months, but I've changed, but, and what I was going through, I didn't realize in the back of my mind, I knew I wasn't doing very good, but I really thought I was putting on a good face for you guys. You know what I mean? So I really thought I'd convinced myself that, oh no, I know I'm not feeling good. I've got a lot of anxiety. I'm worried about my own job. I'm like, trying to protect my own job. So I'm already dealing with all this stress. But here I was thinking like, oh, but the team doesn't know. Like, I'm just jolly old Jason still. Everything's fine. But that wasn't the case. It was leaking out in so many ways that I didn't even realize. And it was this 360 that helped me get there. So that was the first time that I'd ever participated in a 360 assessment. I knew what they were, ironically enough, for my sister and the work that she does in IO psychology. Um, She's way smarter than I am. Shout out, Amy. But why it was tough for me was this. The 360, when I when we all filled it out, it was anonymous. But we have a very different relationship than everyone that is participating in this 360. So by the nature of the feedback that I was giving in the survey, I knew I was like, it doesn't matter that my name is not attributed to this survey. It's like, yeah, that's Mark. There are only certain things that like I would be providing. So I think for me, it was really tough because I was like, I want him to get better. I don't want to hurt his feelings. But if there are blind spots, like he should know what those blind spots are. And I think yeah. I I spent a lot of time, truthfully, filling oh, out the, the, yeah. the, the <laughs> survey because like I wanted to word it the right way. I didn't want it to come across as like too soft, but I wanted to make yep. sure that you yep. knew what I was talking about without sounding like a jackass. And long story short, like it, it was a little stressful because like I didn't want to yeah. just like damage the relationship that we had, but yeah. I also wanted to fill you in on, hey, if you aren't aware of these things, these are the things that I think you can get better at. And if you get better at it, then you'll knock it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was one of the hardest moments. And then turning into one of the best for me because, because you're right, there were things mentioned in there that, again, I thought I was, I thought I was perfectly hiding. I knew they were eating at me, but I thought, no, I'm doing good at this. And, um, and, and for me, like what I think for me, I just, this just goes back into history and how you were raised and everything. I unfortunately am better with negative feedback and handling that than I am with positive feedback and handling that. And so I can handle negative feedback all day long. It's, it's the, and I, <laughs> I tell myself that I take a dip. Okay. Let's be honest. I do. Take, <laughs> okay. I was going to, okay. I was going to challenge that if we're being honest. <laughs> You're right. I want it. And ultimately I really do <laughs> it out, but I do take an initial dip. I do take an initial dip <laughs> because I do. Cause yes, we all do. Yes, yes, yes. yes. But and my dips are getting shorter. <laughs> like my dips used to be a little long. Dips are getting shorter. So yes, but like ultimately I can work with it. It takes me down for a minute, but then I'm like, okay. Then I get this like motivation to just, just 
fix it. And then that comes with my solution. Like I'm a solution guy. I'm a fixer guy. So it enters, it comes into the emotions and then it enters into this. Okay. I'm going to fucking nail this thing now. And so it took me a while. It took me, I was feeling bad. I remember reading some of the comments and wanting to immediately call you guys and be like, Oh my God. And I think I probably texted you the same night. Even I was like, Oh my God, dude, I'm like learning some things about myself. I think you did actually. Yeah, Yeah. I think it was that same night. I was like, I can't even, and this is a, another thing about me that I need to work on is I want to handle things immediately. If there's something wrong, I want to deal with it right now. Even my wife can tell you. She's, no, I need some time. I'm like, no, let's resolve this right now. And I wanted to because I felt bad. And then I was like, and then at the same time, I was like, okay. But then I was like, oh my God, the amount of stress these guys had to go through to give me this feedback. Then I started feeling thankful for it. I was like, I can't imagine what they had to go through to give me this feedback. And it's so worded so well and like I could tell you wanted to help me you know what I mean like I could tell from the feedback it wasn't complaining like none of it was complaining at all and I'm talking about yours Brittany's mm-hmm. I think Justin Everybody. was in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah none of it was complaining it was it just felt like it was just like hey no this is the stuff that this is how it comes out this is how it affects me and I don't like it basically and, and a lot of it I'm trying to we don't have to dig into what it was but it was a lot of it was related to how I processed and managed stress and then just essentially delivering that on to you guys a lot of times. I think a lot of it was, and there was some other peripheral mm-hmm. things too, but I think a mm-hmm. lot of it was related to my anxiety and how I dealt with or didn't deal with it. Yeah. So then it became a gift. Then it was just like, this is a gift. And if I don't do something with this gift, then it's a gift fell on deaf ears. Nobody mm-hmm. wants that. Especially when I know these folks had to go through a lot of thinking and their own emotions just to even fill this thing out. Now, I'm going to see if I can nail this transition because we could keep going on that, but I know we got to get to the next part of this episode. So grade me on how I do this. So that was a time where I think you were at one of your lower, if not lowest points morale-wise. And I think the the team felt that, but we were in very good spirits regardless. Mm -hmm. Like We wanted to see you do well. We knew that you could do well, but I think team morale was not really an issue at that point. Now- We've been doing a lot for a long time here at Metadata with a small team. And I think maintaining that pace over the course of the summer after the 360 and into the fall was just like our feet have been on the gas the entire time. And I think at that point, you probably had been working on so much stuff that you're like, all right, I'm feeling good. Things are going great. What about the team? The team probably feels great, too. And I think your eyes were opened up quite a bit in the fall when just too much was going on to where the team morale was. So let's talk through how did that light bulb go on? And I've got a couple of follow-up questions for you because we're really working through it right now. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was definitely, I hope it was a combo of things. Hopefully it wasn't just all the work, but like also here we had some layoffs happen and like budget cuts. And then we missed our goal for the first time as well. And we didn't have, the way I was describing it is, from the moment we all started, it was pandemic era money, right? It was like, see, we just had all of a sudden all this fake money was buying and we had all these successes. We hit our goals every quarter, six, actually surpassed them most quarters. And so when you have a team of like high performers that really are focused on work, you get, you end up getting a lot of your positive feelings just in general from the successes you're getting at work. And so then when those start to wane and even no fault of our own, we were still doing amazing work, but the economy slowed down and we're tied to marketers budgets. And so we started seeing our goals not get met and like the, then the company goals not get met. 
some layoffs happen within our team, outside of our team. And then, like you said, the work pace just keep just keeps going. So then we've always done these monthly surveys in the company where we just ask everybody, how you doing? Like one to 10, I think it's something worded like, how good do you feel waking up and working at Metadata? And then there's some follow-up questions. Never in the history have we been able to break that out by department. And we've had like people self-selecting the department and we just never looked at it. And my department was mixed in with sales, I think. But we had this new system where we could actually tease out the department level scores. And so in the November, yeah, early November, about a month ago, we had one and I was in the leadership offsite and we were showing it and there's marketing with the lowest score of the entire company. I'm like, no way. I'm like, we had sales that just had to lay off like a third of their whole team this week or I don't remember, but I was like, there's no way. Like, how are we the lowest morale when I, because my, from my vision standpoint, from what I can see, it's man, we're doing good work. Everybody seems to be jolly and happy on the calls. I'm not getting any feedback that people are negative working with other teams. And we're the shining star and we're meeting most of our goals more than other teams often. So I just thought there's no way, but the 360 I had in the spring opened my eyes to the fact that, hey, Jason, you're, you may not be tuned in to the team. Even though you feel close to everybody, you still may not be fully tuned in and you just have to be okay with that. And so when I saw it, at first, I, again, I was like emotional trough, <laughs> quickly come out. <laughs> but I think same thing though, I probably sent you all like texts or something that same day. Oh my God, you guys, I didn't realize this. I'm like, I don't know exactly what I said. I don't know if I apologize, but I want this to be a focus. And so that was really where my, I was like, shit, okay. Even though I'm feeling good and I'm feeling some of the best that I felt, the team clearly is not. And I need to focus in on that and we got to do something about it. Can I tell a funny story for yeah. a second before we <laughs> keep going? All along, you had in these, their Google form surveys, you had the option to write your name and to each their own. Some people like to include their name. Some people do not. I've always included my name whenever I fill it out, just because if I'm going to make a statement and I'm not saying anything like egregious, but if I'm going to say something like I want you all to know who it's coming from. And when this happened, I was at a point where I was just like frustrated. I think that's probably the, the best word to use in this scenario. You texted me. I think it was that night recognizing like the severity of the situation. And this is where the funny story is. You did not look at the fact that I filled my name out. You just assumed that the one survey was, you were like wondering if it was me. And I was like, yeah, Jason, it's me. Like I put my name on it. Like, <laughs> never that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, like it is me like that. My name is right there. Yeah. But I think <laughs> that was a moment where we, the, you don't work at an early stage startup unless you enjoy doing a lot of work and a lot of different things and having a lot on your plate. But it's easier to do that when the successes keep coming and you keep hitting your goals and the praise keeps coming in and everything. But then the second that any goal is not met and you're losing people and morale is low and the work stays up, it just steamrolled to a point where a lot of us are like, shit, something, something has to be worked on here or else this isn't sustainable. So I think that's really where we're at right now as a team. And I think yeah. the big thing is, we talked about this, I think we did on one of the recent planning episodes. If it wasn't that, it was your recent LinkedIn post where most marketing plans, at least that I've ever seen, are all about the company goals and the business goals and it all ties to the bottom line and it's all business stuff, if you will. It's not the soft people skills stuff. It's not the 
things that motivate people. It's not the environment that people want to work in. And you have an entire section of our marketing plan that's carved out specifically to address exactly what we're talking about right now. So why don't you kind of walk people through that? Yeah. Yeah. We were literally in the middle of planning when this all came out, the morale score and then me trying to dig in a little bit and understand it more. And we had three objectives with, I don't know, probably 12 goals or something like that underneath them. And they were all just business related. So it was just like pipeline, website. You would expect. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Normal plan. And I just, it wasn't, I guess it was an epiphany, though it doesn't, it shouldn't have been, but I was like, I just remember it was either one morning or one night. I was just like, wait, the way to make this real, I I could just lip service it. Oh, here's our goals. But yeah, we're going to fix this other stuff over here. But this is what we report to everybody. I was like, no, I'm going to, let's make this serious. Let's make this formal. Let's formalize this. If this is something that's holding the team back, then it should be a primary objective for us. And so because of how dynamically focused Gil is on performance metrics and just the company metrics, I just, I went to him first. I was like, hey, Gil, here's what I'm thinking. And I honestly didn't know. I didn't know if he'd be okay with it or not. He likes to dig into the goals and really make sure they're, he was 150% behind it. And I think he even was like, actually, shit, you did that today. Right. Well, I did. Or did he I already even, seen it? Yeah, because I before I even added it to the goal for us to talk about it, run it by him. Like, it's, hey, yep. Gil, I just sent him a note. I was like, I'm going to swap out this goal for this other one. I just want to make sure you're OK with it, because if we don't handle this stuff, all this other stuff isn't going to get done or it's not going to get done well. And he was just like, didn't even ask any questions. He's like, I love it. Yes. And I think he and then wanted to make an example out of it for some of the other teams as well. Um, but yeah, so our first objective, and it's the first one, it's not buried below. <laughs> it's not the third objective. It's the first objective is improve team morale, efficiencies, and how we work together. And, and in that is- Let me stop you for a sec, because one of the big reasons why we do this is to be really tactical and share what we're doing. So like some of the activities that are in here, I have it up right now, looking at employees' capacity, making sure that we have career plans defined for every person on the team, PTO, making sure people are actually taking time off, 360 reviews, get-togethers for the team, whether it's in person or virtual, looking at meetings specifically and how many meetings we have. I hate to out you, Jason, but you used to be, you still are a huge meeting yep. guy, yep, I uh, am. Yeah. but you're converting into a loom guy, I which am. I'm very proud of. How we use Asana, really just like how we can create more work time for us instead of spending it all on meetings. So that's an inside yeah. view at how we're thinking about it. It's not lip service. Like it's literally documented in our Q4, Q1 plan. Yeah, and we're going to track against it and and we'll see how it goes. My assumption is it'll go well because we're we've always been talking about all oh, career plans for everybody. Then it gets it sits in a sauna. I was just looking at this the other day. Career plan for Mark Huber. You know what my date on it was? September something. And we're now fucking on December 2nd. You know what I mean? So like it's clearly there. It's like I wanted to have it done in late September. It's two months later. So it just you always find something more important to do against these especially at a startup where you're just like, no, we're all resilient. We can take it. But no, it doesn't have to be that way. We can still work like a startup, but also focus on these other things. And I think if we're right, that'll make the other stuff better. Slow down to speed up, whatever it is. That's what we're, that's what we're betting on. Yeah. And I think it's, it's something to bring my perspective and really the team's perspective into it. I think when you brought this up to us and for people who are listening, like you tend to run things past me a little bit before we share it with the rest of the team. So I, I knew it was coming, but I think 
I was blown away at the the reaction from the team when they were, this is something you're going to prioritize. Like, this is something that you're going to focus on. It was pretty cool because I don't know how many people had worked for marketing leaders before that would, one, give enough shit about that issue to the point where they were going to put it in the plan. Because it usually is just, oh, yeah, we'll do this. It'll stay to the side. We'll mm -hmm. get to it. We'll shock her. When you treat it that way, you never actually get to it. And this yeah. is one of those, it's the first thing in our plan. It's not even at the end of the plan. Like it's the first goal right. in the plan. Yeah. 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 I can't, my job, I love my job because of you folks, you know what I mean? And so if the team isn't taken care of, then I don't get to work with the team or they're unhappy and they're not doing their best work and then they're going to leave. And that just, there's no world that I want to live in where that happens. And so I'd much rather say, okay, let's, let's get these things figured out and let's put the time and effort into it. Even if it means we don't do one or two or three other things that we really wanted to do because we have to spend time on this stuff. We'll do them in another quarter. But this is something that I just, there's going to be a part of this on every quarter. Every quarter's goals will have something related to this just so that we make sure we focus on it. Mm -hmm. We should do another episode, maybe I'm in Q1 and just do a recap of, hey, this is what was in the plan yeah. for this particular goal. And this is how it, went the good the bad hopefully the not so ugly but i think i'm excited i think this is something that i haven't really seen before and it's cool and i think the rest of the team would agree with that too nice sweet i think we just set a new dgu record this is probably the longest episode we've ever done but yeah, we're curious yeah. this was i would say probably the most vulnerable and transparent that we've been on any of the episodes even thinking back to the recent one that got a lot of good feedback on linkedin so Please shoot us a DM, drop some comments on whenever we we release this. We're curious if you like it because it, it seems yeah. like there's really a desire for more of this. And we want to make sure that we're sprinkling the right episode topics in and giving the people what they want. So thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week on DGU. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.